bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. I'm Paul Dragu. We're glad you can join us. Here at The New American, we take the most important news stories, we strip off the propaganda, and we bring you the truth. And that makes us one of the most censored and attacked publications in America. So if you enjoy the show, please share these episodes with others. Now, the anticipated 2024 election season has officially begun. Last night in Iowa, Trump trounced his most competitive opponents by 30 points. He even caused one to drop out. Also, a few principal lawmakers recently held a hearing on the destruction that continues to pile up thanks to the experimental mRNA COVID injections they forced on people. And in our action segment, we're going to show an interview with Karen Bracken of Tennessee Citizens for State Sovereignty. Bracken discusses with TNA senior editor Rebecca Terrell how to apply nullification in your state. We have all that coming up. But first, the aspiring tyrants at the World Economic Forum are meeting this week to discuss how they can get you to believe their lies and schemes again. These same people's COVID policies wreck the world economy. Furthermore, they are destroying, as we speak, what's left of the most advanced economies in the world under the guise of saving the planet from a problem that doesn't exist. And by the looks of it, they may even unleash World War III. So given all that, this year's edition of WF is underway at Davos, Switzerland, and the theme of the conference is Restoring Trust. So here's real-life villain and WF founder Klaus Schwab. Now, why did we choose the theme or the motto uh, Rebuilding Trust? If we compare the world uh, today with the world before uh, we had the COVID pandemics, we, we find a completely different mood. First, um, uh, the world has become very fearful, um, very fragmented, of course. Um, and um, in such a situation, um, trust has vanished. We have lost trust to a certain extent in each another because we all have become under the pressure of the crisis, of the multiple crises, we have become more egoistic. Mm -hmm. So, um, and if you are more egoistic, you think first of yourself and this distorts an atmosphere of trust. So if you want to recreate, and that's the objective of the annual meetings this year, we want to recreate a new spirit, a much more constructive spirit. Mm -hmm. Again, looking forward and having confidence in our future. And that's the reason why we have uh, chosen this theme, um, Rebuilding Trust. As with all previous WF annual meetings, this year's event features a who's who of leaders and celebrities from across the world. They include Chinese Premier Li Chong, the number two man in communist China, French President Emmanuel Macron, Prime Minister of the Republic of Korea Han Duk Su, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, Prime Minister of Spain Pedro Sanchez, and somewhat surprisingly, new Argentine President Javier Millet. Dozens of other heads of state and top diplomats like U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken will also be in Davos, along with prominent globalists like U.S. Secretary General Antonio Guterres. There will also be around 1,600 world business leaders, including around 800 or so of the world's top CEOs. Because nothing says restoring trust 
like getting together a couple of thousand of the world's wealthiest and most powerful people in an exclusive semi-secret setting to talk about, well, what are they talking about? This year's meetings will feature four themes, according to their website, achieving security and cooperation in a fractured world, creating growth and jobs for a new era, artificial intelligence as a driving force for the economy and society, and a long-term strategy for climate, nature, and energy. Now, that last one is especially telling. It reflects the failure of last month's COP28 climate conference to secure a commitment to the complete phase-out of fossil fuels. The folks at Davos are going to continue to push for an end-all to fossil fuels. They're also going to discuss how to rejigger the global security systems that fail to prevent wars in Ukraine and the Middle East and how to incorporate AI into the new world economy. So join me to discuss today's stories. This is Executive Senior Editor of the New American, Steve Bonta. Hi, Steve Bonta. Hello, Paul. You know, I am so happy about this theme because they're outing themselves. They're saying, we know that people don't believe us. And I think it, it's also telling that people don't believe them. They're, they know who these guys are and they came well, out with this. Well, I, you know, just, just one observation. I wish these European elitists would get it through their heads that we have this word in English, selfish. Okay? Not egoism. It's not egoist. It's not egotist. It's selfish. Now, in German, it's, it, it, it's egoistic, egoistish. In French, it's egoist. In Spanish, egoista. Mm. So, but you would think that people who profess to know English would get that through their thick heads, and it would give them a little more credibility going forward if they knew how to say the word selfish in English. But I digress. Well, to Darth Vader's yeah. defense, he's German. Well, and this is this is the thing. I mean, I mean, you know, you and I are old enough to remember a time when pretty much all the arch villains were typically were German scientists with scary German accents. I do feel a little sorry for Klaus Schwab. I don't think he's he's necessarily any more evil than all of these other bland, besuited mm. globalists out there. He happens to have this very theatrical. You know, German, German accent. Delivery. He, he may cultivate it for effect. I don't know. And then, of course, he's kind of bald. The only thing he's missing is like a scary monocle perched on he's one. He's missing the on Darth Vader hat. I'm <laughs> telling you, that's Darth Vader reincarnated. You know, I think it is funny. Speaking of the selfish, I mean, they're basically causing. They're calling people who want to be free selfish. I mean, the things that we we pushed back during COVID is we wanted to get out of our houses. We wanted to go wherever we was. We wanted to do so without diapers on our faces. We wanted to, apparently some people wanted to send their kids to schools, all these things. And he's like, this. these are selfish uh, moves. It's like, he's so detached from, from, from the real people, from plight. Well, I, I think the observation he makes is actually correct, although obviously his take on it is very different from ours. And that is that, as it turns out, the COVID pandemic... Well, the COVID pandemic was this major inflection point in modern history that has caused maybe not a worldwide, but a very significant and widespread, certainly in the Western part of the world, crisis of trust, if you can call it a crisis, whereby people have come to realize, have been red-pilled, as we say, in large numbers, and have come to realize that these, these, these people who style themselves globalists really don't have our best interests at heart. Right. They really do have... This malign agenda, though they themselves, of course, regard themselves as, as as benign caretakers of the planet and all this type of thing. But people are realizing, wow, these guys really aren't benign. They may wear suits. They may have the trappings of celebrityhood and all of this, but they're not necessarily – I mean, and some of them probably are well-meaning and all of that, but but a lot of them really aren't. They, they, they have very radical ideas. This is becoming more and more apparent with the, with the climate 
matter. And we, of course, we covered COP28 in Dubai. And as we, we mentioned in the, in the monologue, as you mentioned, the, the, the partial failure in, in the outcome of that to, to, to declare an absolute and uncompromising phase out of global fossil fuels, that was not accomplished in Dubai. They're clearly intending to pick up where they left yeah. off in Dubai and continue with that in a number of, of fora within this year's WF meeting. Th that's going to be a dominant theme. So they're not giving up. They continue to insist, well, you know, we're going to destroy the standard of life you have. You're going to own nothing and, and be happy, as, as Klaus Schwab himself said. Yeah. Of course, that won't apply to them, but it will apply to us. Right. If we own nothing, you know. who owns everything? Sure, sure. Someone's got to own And of course, it. we all know money can't buy happiness and all that. Funny thing, though, the people who are saying that, you know, who are joining that on the have rest of us. Have all the money. Have all the money. Yes. And, and, and very much. So, so, so you know, people are, have really, you know, the, the scales are falling off people's eyes, particularly in Europe and in the New World. And, and, and the result has been an incredible reaction against globalism at, at the local or national level, where you're seeing people like Donald Trump, Javier Millet in Argentina, uh, you know, Meloni in, in Italy. And many, uh, you know, there's an increasing number of these so-called right, you know, scary right-wingers who are insisting upon a return to traditional values to national an emphasis on, on 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 nationalism and independence yes and and individual liberty all of these things are proliferating and i think covid had a lot to do with it well i think reality yes had a lot to do with it uh the again the jig is up so when they told them to to lock themselves in their house and they put all these restrictions people realized that they can no longer take their of freedom for granted. Right, right. So now and they realize who was behind it. Well, and they're trying to reposition themselves with this World Economic Forum as, well, okay, we're going to pivot and do things a little differently. We, we've heard your message loud and clear, but we still want to yes, help you. Yes, and their tactic you is know. calling us selfish. Sure. These people are so demented, uh, they're going to lose because they are. After this, election season is officially off and running, and Trump is ahead by miles. I, I certainly would not want a constitutional convention I mean, whoa. <laughs> Who knows what would come out of that? Just imagine if we have a constitutional convention, the number of people who will be unhappy and the number of people who say the results are not valid, and then they'll just ignore the entire constitution. What we need are just more people that would read the one we have. It isn't the constitution that's the problem. It is the people who ignore the constitution that usurp power and abuse the constitutional power that they ostensibly have. If you can't enforce an existing piece of paper, how are you going to enforce a piece of paper that has a little more writing to it? In other words, it's been amended. It's up to us to hold our elected officials accountable. What can you do to elect good representatives and senators in your state legislature who understand the Constitution and are willing to take a stand? For more news and in-depth analysis from the New American Magazine, the kind that you will not get anywhere else, make sure you have a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of the magazine. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than the New American. You can subscribe online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top, and then on the drop-down, hit the subscribe button. Or, if you prefer, you can call for a subscription. Call one 800 727 8783 Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. That's 800 727 8783. Welcome back, folks. Steve, you wanted to add a little bit more on the World Economic Forum before we moved on to our next story. 
Well, well, first of all, Paul, you know, in response to the hypothetical question, what do you think of the World Economic, the- the- uh, World Economic Forum? My response would be, it would be a good idea. Now, what do I mean? Well, the World Economic Forum, despite the name, is not really about economics. They don't have any what I would call qualified economists. And by qualified, I mean economists who actually do economics as opposed to act as shills for big government. So free market economists, people who are arguing in behalf of, of laissez-faire policies and uh, you know free market capitalism are nowhere to be found at these events. Instead, to the extent that any economists make an appearance, so-called economists, these are people who argue always for more and more and more government interventionism, if not outright socialism. So that's point one. Point two, we mentioned that Javier Millet, the, the newly yes, elected president of Argentina, is there. What is he doing there? Well, he, <laughs> I looked into that. And on his, he, he posted, yes, he's going, and he's going to address the group uh, laying out his program for, for Argentina. I, I think he's hoping that maybe he can convert some of them to, <laughs> to his program of free market oh, is economics. That what he is? I'm not holding my breath, but, but in the same post, that you he to referred be? to them as a cartel of globalists. So I, I don't think he's sold out. I think he's going to go there mm. to do combat. And that should provide some interesting footage. So I'm very much I, looking forward to, to watching his address and to seeing the reaction to it. I think Georgia Maloney referred to them as something similar. So that's, that's interesting. Let's look at our next story. So Trump mania has begun and the anticipated 2024 election season is off and running. Last night, Donald Trump won the Iowa caucus bigly. Media outlets began calling it for Trump with less than 1% of the votes in. The AP called it while people were still voting which triggered complaints from the DeSantis camp. Trump is clearly the overwhelming choice of Iowa Republicans. He ultimately won by 30 points with 51% of the vote. Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley came in at a distant second and third with around 21% of the votes. The Hill decision desk called it a massive win. As usual, there was no shortage of leftist tears. But on Bill Gates' MSNBC, the pundits there brought up an Iowa entrance poll that asked voters if they believe that Biden legitimately won the 2020 election. Apparently, 66% of Iowans said no. Here's Rachel Maddow, the closest thing the left has to a pundit who people actually listen to, react to that. Two-thirds of Iowa Republican caucus goers believe that the president of the United States right now is a fake. Illegitimate. Is not actually the president and is running some sort of scam wherein Donald Trump really is the president and Donald and Joe Biden is pretending to be. Two-thirds of Iowa Republican caucus goers. Yeah, and I, I would just say that, to, well, that adverb legitimately, there's some wiggle room around, but I will say this. To Lawrence's point about Trump being a quasi-incumbent here, which mm-hmm. he is, right? I mean, he was the president of the United States before. The thing that makes it weird is that usually when you lose, you get turfed out. So George H.W. Bush isn't running around after he loses in 92. People don't want to hear from him. They don't want to hear from John McCain. They don't want to hear from Mitt Romney. They do want to hear from Donald Trump. You think to yourself, well, why? Well, that, you know, that, <laughs> that answer goes a long way, right? The big lie is, I didn't lose. I'm not a loser. They stole it from I'm me. I'm secretly still president. I'm secretly still president. <laughs> Former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich said last night that Trump isn't your typical candidate. He is the leader of a movement that wants to take power from the establishment. So listen to part of Trump's short victory speech from last night. So we're going to come together. We're going to drill baby drill right away. Drill baby drill. We're going to seal up the border. 
Because right now we have an invasion. We have an invasion of millions and millions of people that are coming into our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. It's a very bad thing. I think it's a group of people that are probably larger in number than New York State. And we can't have that. We can't have that. It's not sustainable as a country. It's horrible. And you know, they're coming from prisons and jails. They're coming from all over. They're coming from countries that most people have never heard of. And they're coming from mental institutions and insane asylums. They're being emptied out into our country. And they're terrorists. Many terrorists are coming in. You know, in 2019, I saw just recently on a poll, they had none in 29, no terrorists. Now, I even say there's got to be some, but they have none. And then as soon as this group took over, they have hundreds and hundreds of terrorists coming in, known terrorists, some of them really bad. And many of them are in, and they came in, and nobody knows where they are. This is not a good thing. And we're going to have to deport. We're going to have to have a deportation level that we haven't seen in this country for a long time, since Dwight Eisenhower, actually. All right, Steve. So Trump throwing some red meat out there. Everyone wants to hear. We're going to seal the border. We're going to deport them. Uh, notice how he said he called once this group took over. It sounded to me like he's referring to the Biden administration. Sounds like everyone knows Biden is not running anything. Yes. Well, I, I mean, just a couple of, of, of points that, that, that were running through my head. First of all, let's talk to Rachel Maddow. Rachel, <laughs> the big lie is that the, is that the 2020 election was a big lie. Okay. You're the one retailing the big lie, not us. You're the ones who went from, wow, that's strange how they how Trump had this total turnaround and Biden suddenly came from nowhere to win all these states after they shut down the polls in the middle of the night to a couple of days later. Oh, but there's nothing, nothing to see here, nothing to see here. Oh, and if you think there was election irregularity, then then you're crazy. You're 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 a right wing conspiracy theorist and so forth. But in, in the interim, there's never been any evidence presented as to how this extraordinary state of affairs took place. Okay, so, yeah, okay, well, maybe we're all wrong and somehow something very weird statistically happened that Mm. can account for what took place. But I've never seen one scintilla of evidence to show it. We've simply pivoted from saying, gee, that was strange to, oh, nothing to see here. Biden's president. End of story. Okay, so so much for that. Second of all, these people, you know, who traduce and criticize Trump and his his supporters who think they're fascists and un-Americans, which is roughly half the country you know, population-wise, present company certainly included. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, they are, <laughs> they are so clueless. They don't understand. And the, the, the disconnect between the people who are supporters of the likes of Biden and, for that matter, Nikki Haley and other establishment-type characters who, who want to continue the game as, you, as, as, as always— haven't learned the lesson that apparently Klaus Schwab has learned. Yes. You know, he at least understands. That they don't like him. He understands <laughs> they don't like him and that things changed fundamentally as a result of COVID. And I would mm. add here in the United States as a result of what happened to Donald Trump as well. We're not going back to 2016 or 2012 or 2008 where, you know, it's business as usual with the rhinos you know, those lovable losers trotting out candidate after candidate and then showing us how to lose gracefully to the people who want to destroy our civilization. OK, yeah. the, that, that ship has sailed and Trump represents those of us who have woken up and said, we've had it. 
We've been nice. We've tried to go along to get along. We've tried to take the high road, do all these things because that's who we are, right? We believe in America and apple pie and mm -hmm. going to church on site, all and these types of things. And following the law and being nice people. And, we've, and, and the majority of us come to realize if we don't stand up and do something at the ballot box, yes, within the limits of the Constitution, you know, but yes. stand up and be resolute, the you know, we're going to lose our country and that doesn't look good. Because as we discussed, I believe, well, a few days ago in this program, we know what that looks like. It looks like communism. That's what happens when these radicals win and take over and squelch opposition. And we're perilously close to that. Yes, and we've seen definite signs of that. And that's what's happening here. People are saying no. After this, Marjorie Taylor Greene just held a hearing on the ongoing destruction of the COVID injection. Sophia paused before the door. It read, Department of Biodigital Convergence. Just inside was a new world, a better world, the one of everlasting life, of no pain, of no loss, of no problem. She entered the chamber and her surroundings changed. She saw around her an infinite field of waving golden grain surmounted by cloudless blue sky. The AI voice whispered gently in her mind, Welcome to the singularity. She couldn't see it and couldn't feel it but her body had almost instantly been covered by a swarm of tiny gray multi-legged bots that melted through her clothes and into her skin. Not perceiving the nightmare, her eyes had already been consumed and the rest of her body was dissolving as the bots digested her flesh. She felt only a warmth suffusing her being. Drowsy, she drifted to sleep and her last thought was one of panic. Would she ever wake? Could a nightmare vision like this be an outcome of the much-hyped transhumanist technological singularity? Enter the world of the future as illuminated by the experience of the past in Endgame. The new book by Dennis Barrett, the publisher of The New American Magazine, and find out how the disastrous COVID pandemic response fits with the technocratic elite's thirst to create a transhumanist utopia. Get Endgame from shopjbs.org with free shipping with code ENDSHIP, E-N-D-S-H-I-P. Or get Endgame and the Great Reset Collector's Issue of the New American Magazine and get free shipping plus an additional 20% off both with code N20, E-N-D-2-0. The New American has just released our latest bookazine, a collection of articles on self-reliance. It's called Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. Without individual responsibility and without the ability to take care of ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. In this Polish Collector's Edition, we have articles on a number of important topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearm self-reliance, building a wood shack, and the importance of community, among many other topics. Now, the authors of the articles are experts in their fields. We encourage you to get a copy. You can order your copy at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop or you can call our office at 800-727-8783. However you do it, make sure you get your copy of Self-Reliance, The Foundation of Freedom. All right, welcome back, folks. I wanted to add a few thoughts about the Trump story there. One we didn't mention, but we're going to mention right now is Ramaswamy, Vivek Ramaswamy is out. Uh, he was obviously waiting to see how he does. Kind of a I, shame, in my opinion. But. Yeah, he's a. And uh, I was listening to some of the analysis, and one of the things the one of the guys said was that Ramaswamy has been very good at rip pilling apparently very smart people, or so that he's he's definitely played a role. So hopefully how, that continues in some way. But I also wanted to add, as we've been watching this story, um, 
it's apparent to me that Trump is actually an indictment on the establishment. It, I don't think necessarily that people like Trump. I mean, some people like him. I'm okay with him, whatever. But when people are voting for Trump, it's kind of like a poke in the eye to the establishment. They're saying, this is our way of getting back. And you could see, because every with every indictment, his popularity went up, right? His policies didn't change. He didn't change or anything. So that's clearly telling that Trump is the vehicle which Americans want to take back power and want to uh, destabilize the establishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he's and the thing he has the temperament for it because because I mean for every decent person with who's well grounded in politics, you you find you know maybe for every one thousand such people and frankly there aren't that many to begin with. But let's let's say there's a thousand. You know you might get one or two with this kind of pit bull tenacity, take no prisoners, That's what it means. which is what's required. I mean we have a few people like that in the House in particular yeah. now as well. But 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 Trump really stands out for that reason, and people believe he, not just that he will stand up for principle, but that he'll stand up for them. He's and the there's mad- a big difference between standing up for principle and standing up for actual blood, flesh and blood people. Right. He's the mad dog we need. Let's look at our next story. So the government wants you to forget about the COVID injection debacle and sweep the bodies under the rug. But Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene and a few of her colleagues insist on investigating the deaths and injuries caused by the COVID jabs. On Friday, Greene hosted a second hearing on COVID vaccine injuries. The testifying experts included Drs. Peter McCullough, Ryan Cole, and Kirk Millon. Greene opened the hearings by blasting a majority of congressmen for not addressing the issue that devastated the lives of thousands of Americans. The vaccine adverse events reporting system has seen a massive spike in reports following the rollout of the COVID vaccines. So many people have been affected, yet politicians here in Washington are too afraid to do anything about it. Well, our job is to care about the issues our constituents care about. For me, it's the people of Northwest Georgia. For Senator Johnson, it's the people of Wisconsin. Why is it that so many members of Congress are scared to talk about the issues their constituents care about? Well, I'll tell you, many of them, including doctors, are afraid of generating vaccine hesitancy. But I am afraid of the prospects of thousands, if not more, Americans getting injured or dying from these vaccines. Given the overwhelming data, people should be hesitant about injecting unproven vaccines in their bodies. Dr. Cole said Big Pharma captured the government and the media and then promoted their business interests at the expense of American lives. It used to be that we were a a nation of the people, for the people, by the people. And now we're of the corporation, for the corporation, and by the corporation. Uh, Countless Americans have been harmed because people have believed uh, biased media. People have believed uh, corrupt pharmaceutical narratives Countless people in this nation are hurting and being ignored. Cole went on to say that pathologists like him have seen firsthand how the vaccines are hurting people. And he urged Americans to stop jabbing themselves. But we see what's happening to the people. And I'm tired of the American people being gaslit and being told, well, it's anything and everything, but it's not the, quote, vaccine. This is a gene transfection product that billions of people have received and genetic products need to be monitored for a long period of time. We have countless people injured that are being ignored and we can't do this anymore. And, you know, 
I'm not here to judge people if you got one shot, two shot, three shots, whatever. I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying don't get another one. This is an unproven, unsafe product. Dr. Peter McCullough, a cardiologist of international renown, called the COVID vaccine program a gamble that was lethal from the beginning. These vaccines are a brand new technology that installs the genetic code for the lethal part of the virus, which is the spike protein, the spine on the surface of the virus. This was an extraordinary gamble because there was no knowledge of what was going to turn this off. Once the genetic code gets in the body, there was no knowledge of, does the body get rid of the genetic code? What shuts it off? Will some people produce too much genetic uh, 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 code and have it keep moving from cell to cell and too much spike protein? It was known then that the spike protein was lethal. The spike protein now, in 3,400 peer-reviewed papers and growing, is proven to cause heart damage and myocarditis our regulatory agencies agree. Every regulatory agency in the world agrees. There's actually guidelines now in the UK and Australia about how to diagnose and manage vaccine myocarditis. That's how common this is. It accelerates atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, causes tremendous swings in blood pressure and heart rate called posterior atherostatic tachycardia syndrome or POTS, causes neurologic injury, stroke, both ischemic and hemorrhagic, Paralyzing syndromes, including Guillain-Barre syndrome, small fiber neuropathy, ear ringing. It causes blood clots. The spike protein is physically found in blood clots. The largest blood clots that we've ever seen in clinical medicine, typically a blood clot that someone would get after a hip surgery or on an airplane would be a centimeter or so. It's common in my practice. Yesterday, I saw patients with 15, 17, two feet blood clots in their legs. Uh, making the call today, the COVID-19 vaccines should be removed from the market. They're not safe for human use. Another major concern is how COVID vaccines are causing cancers. As one of the first to sound the alarm, Dr. Cole quoted real-world data proving it. After these shots rolled out, I started seeing an increase in the laboratory of certain types of cancer. You know, I, I at that point, misstated the percentage and then it normalized, but it was still two to three-fold above what I was seeing in certain types of cancer, endometrial cancers, uh, melanomas in young patients, very aggressive melanomas in young patients, confirmed by my colleague, uh, colleague Dr. Anglish de Gleish, one of the leading cancer researchers in the UK, confirmed by oncologists all around the world. There was a paper that came out from uh, Singapore from a pharm pharmaceutical uh, individual. Every cancer drug off patent Look at this, the, the dose sales percentage increase in Singapore, where you can get the base level data. All of them are up anywhere from 20 to 30%, and this is purchase per dose. And they were one of the high, most highly boosted nations in the world. If you look at Ed Dowd's data, if you go to finance technologies with a ph.com, he has the data set from the UK. Again, that healthy age 15 to 44 age group. 10 years of data, and then in 2021, huge spike. In 2022, even a bigger spike. In the meantime, top FDA officials are warning that thousands of excess deaths will come this winter if people don't get vaccinated. Well, Steve, unfortunately, we're almost out of time here, but um, you better go out and get your vaccine there, huh? No, I did, I did that when I was in China. I actually never had the American vaccine. The Chinese vaccine had some interesting effects of its own, which we don't have time to discuss, but I seem to have survived, so yes. we'll see. Well, we're, we're glad you survived. And uh, we obviously focused this segment on what the experts said. I think what they said probably is more important than whatever we're going to say about that. Uh, people should listen to that hearing 
And hopefully there's going to be a turnaround at some point. There's going to be some acknowledgement. And maybe in the future, there's even going to be criminal complaints and files and indictments and whatnot, because uh, I believe that um, a lot of nefarious things happened. After this, TNA senior editor Rebecca Terrell interviews Karen Bracken about nullification. Freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know. What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people. And I believe they are killing people with this vaccination. The freer you are. It's murder. They are basically murdering people in hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. TheNewAmerican.com Nullification is the reserve power to nullify or invalidate any unconstitutional action, not only by refusing to implement it, but also by declaring it null, void, and of no force within the jurisdiction. This explanation provided by the John Burr Society, the parent company of this magazine, expresses the truth that the federal government is subservient to the states, not the other way around. Tennessee Citizens for State Sovereignty is an organization dedicated to educating the public about nullification. The group's founder, Karen Bracken, recently spoke to TNA senior editor Rebecca Terrell. She described legislation drafted by Bracken's group that is now proposed in both houses of the Tennessee state legislature. The same bill can also be used by citizens of other states who want to defend their homes against unconstitutional actions of the federal government. So we're going to play this important interview, and we hope that you can use it as a guide in your battle for freedom. Welcome, everyone. I'm Rebecca Terrell with The New American, and with me today in the spotlight is Karen Bracken, co-founder of Tennessee Citizens for State Sovereignty. Her group has drafted legislation to create a process to invoke nullification in her state, and she also contributes to a weekly podcast called Tennessee Informer. The focus of that is educating Tennesseans on the Constitution, especially the Tenth Amendment of the Bill of Rights, and on the principle of nullification. Welcome, Karen, and thanks for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. It's quite an honor. It's great to see you. It's great to meet you. And I I admire so greatly what you are working toward, because this is the fundamentally important issue in our country today. So let's first, for our listeners, define nullification and discuss its importance. Well, nullification is just basically the act of refusing to comply with unconstitutional laws, rules, regulations, executive orders, uh, international agreements, treaties, um, and and that's basically what it is. And just to just to make a little correction, I am actually the founder of Tennessee Citizens for State Sovereignty, and the co-founder is David Vance. Okay, and he is the host of Tennessee Informer. Is that correct? Yes, he is. Yes. Right. Well, we'll talk about Tennessee Informer too, and and what you're what you're doing there. So, um, okay, so let's talk first though about this proposed legislation you have. Sure. Well, how does that work? 
Okay. Well, the legislation currently is HB 0726, and the Senate bill is SB 1092, and it's called Restoring State Sovereignty Through Nullification Act. And basically, uh, it is not legalizing nullification because nullification is already a legal option. Uh, What it does is it creates a process in which to invoke nullification. And, you know, there are five different ways listed in the legislation um, that we can use to invoke nullification. Okay, and give us one example of of a situation where it could be invoked. Well, uh, let's just talk about uh, same-sex marriage. The the Supreme Court uh, said that same-sex marriage was a constitutional um, effort. it is not. It is. It, they don't have the authority at the federal government or the Supreme Court level to authorize marriage. Um, our state constitution also basically says that marriage is between a man and a woman. So we not only had a violation of the uh, U.S. Constitution, our governor violated the state constitution as well. And we are assembly the people we had the right to nullify that action by both the federal government and the state government right and that nullificate that right to nullification already exists per the united states constitution correct well yeah it doesn't it doesn't mention nullification per se but there are sections of the constitution that basically imply nullification but the writings of our founders um all throughout the writings of our founders um you know support and 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 state we have the right to nullify unconstitutional acts right and that only makes sense because i mean we're even taught that as children if your parents tell you you're supposed to obey your parents unless they tell you to do something wrong and then you it's your duty to disobey and that's analogous to what's going on here so our state our local uh, representatives both uh, they all have a responsibility to protect us against these unconstitutional laws and mandates coming down from the federal government whether it's executive legislative or judicial correct Right. Yes. And one of the arguments that are some of our state assembly members give us is, well, we don't need this legislation because we already know that nullification is a valid option in 2021 during the COVID um, mandates. We actually passed SJR 9005 stating that we could nullify the COVID mandates. So our assembly has already acknowledged the right to nullify, but their argument against the HB 726 is, well, we don't need you know this law because we already have the right to do it. And my response is, well, then you're not. Why aren't you doing it? You know. Right. So what this does is it lays out a legally binding process that will basically force their hand in, um, you know supporting actual nullification and like i said there's five different ways that you can invoke nullification um written in this legislation right and you are working with it's not just you uh you're working with a number of legal experts on um on this issue to draft this 
legislation. Uh, can you give us that uh, information as well as, you know, this sounds very important for all states, is this legislation that can be used in all states yeah. by citizens such as yourself who approach legislators and um, get them to introduce it? Right. And one of the things that we are reaching out to other states, we do want other states to adopt this. South Carolina right now is actually looking at HB 726 and has it listed on their docket of potential legislation for 2024. And we would like to have other states join in so that eventually we could form a compact of states, because when the federal government makes an unconstitutional law or mandate, it doesn't just affect Tennessee. It, it affects every state. Can can counties also act in this manner? Because a, a county would want to be able to nullify maybe unconstitutional mandates that might come down from the state. I mean, this could affect other levels than just federal versus states, right? Well, in my opinion and the opinion of some of the constitutional experts that we work with, the counties and the cities were created by the state. Mm-hmm. So really the counties and the cities cannot nullify something from the state level, but the people can. And the states and the counties can can interpose. Okay. Actually help us, support us, um, but they can't actually file an action of nullification because, like I said, they were created by the states, just like the federal right. government was created by the state. By the states, yes. So the state is sovereign. And that goes back to the the title, the um, name of your organization. And the reason I asked that was because of the, you, you've heard of all of this, uh, the carbon capture pipelines out throughout the Corn Belt and Great Plains uh, of the United States. They're fighting on the county levels against all of these uh, pipelines coming through. And in South Dakota, I know right now they've got kind of the state legislature pitted almost against the counties. Um, county County's the good guy. The state legislature right now is the bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the reason I asked that question. So this has implications in that, uh, in that arena, too. So- and thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the New American Daily. Remember to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news. And remember to watch some of our other shows. We have Behind the Deep State, we have In the Spotlight, we have several other shows that help create understanding about what is truly going on. This show is the truth behind the news, and that's no different for our other shows. So go to thenewamerican.com, check out our other shows, and join us again tomorrow for another episode of the New American Daily.